Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news relating to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. To participate in today's program, our guest call-in line is 646-716-4972. And now, here is your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin'. So good to have you with us. we got people looking at the dialing in board here. Everyone dial in from all parts of the country. Appreciate you joining us again today on this podcast, Monday, February 8th. We say that for those of you who are downloading and listening to this podcast after the fact. We have, so I'm really excited today's topic. It's an issue that many are still struggling with. It's TRID implementation. And excited to be talking about this issue with TRID. We have so many people that are struggling with this issue across the country, and I'm just really honored to have with us someone who has been on the forefront of helping this industry get ready for this, and her name is Loretta Salzano. She's with the law firm Franzine and Salzano. She is a partner and the president of the company, of the law firm, and is recognized highly in the industry. She's a her law firm practices primarily in the consumer financial services area and that type of law, including representing banks, independent mortgage bankers, independent mortgage lenders, brokers, title insurance companies, realtors, appraisal companies, regulatory compliance. I mean, it's just a full gamut. You look at everything that this firm covers, and it's a great resource. And I'm really enjoying my conversations as we got ready to come to this broadcast. Also, she is also does the legal work for Simplify, who will be our guest next week. So I'm really interested in getting her perspective as we look at the trid trauma that's going out there and she gave me the great title for this pro- this program or this this week's uh, podcast and it's trid in the trenches so welcome to the podcast loretta salzano loretta good to have thank you here thank you it's my pleasure i'm glad you said trid in the trenches and not trid trauma I'm going to try to be more positive yeah it is it, it, i think we've gotten past i think we've gotten past the trauma we, not, we have different but, traumas than some of the ones we had six months ago, but it's an evolution <laughs> and a journey. We've just exchanged it for one, you know, now that we're in the trenches, we're experiencing, you know, what it's like. And, and so it, it can seem traumatic for some, and then for others, it's just almost slugging through it and getting through the issues. And that's really why we wanted to invite you on here. Again, you do a great job advising really some of the market leaders in the industry, such as Simplifile. Looking forward to their comments next week. And then also, really, many lenders in the marketplace. So let's start with your perspective, and then I'm going to have Alice jump in. Of course, Joe, you're welcome to jump in with any questions you have at any point in time. But you know, really want to focus in on what you are seeing as far as some of the stumbling blocks in the industry. And, and, and why, why is it that they were not into better anticipated from your perspective? Well, some of my clients tell me that in implementing TRID, they realize all of the weaknesses or compliance gaps they had, whether it's in staffing or processes or systems, because TRID really starts so early and now continues through so many different systems and processes where maybe there were weak links that were uncovered. I think even folks that had been planning 18 months in advance working with their system providers, working with settlement agents, working with their whole teams have found uh, challenges with their investors and other challenges. And, and when I look at these, some of the things are caused by 
new provisions in the rule, and others are issues that we revisit every time we have a regulatory change. So they go into those buckets. Some of them are just wrong information, whether the wrong information is coming from system coding or lenders' misinterpretation of the rules or closing agent errors, uh, simply not following the rule about simple things that are in the rule but that we haven't been looking at before, maybe adding the time zone to a rate lock. Other problems, I think, are due to the regulatory ambiguity. Even though the initial rule was almost 1,900 pages, uh, not surprisingly, it doesn't address every real-life situation, right, when we start to get into the trenches and come up with real-life loans in real time. So I think part of that's regulatory ambiguity. And then the third is the problem I guess I anticipated. My concern was when we turn this on with a shift in roles with settlement agents now not being at the forefront of preparing that settlement statement but instead having creditors be responsible for the closing disclosure, I was worried about turning that on in real time and what kind of collaboration gaps or snafus or communication gaps we would have, especially when the borrowers are selecting their own settlement agents who might not always practice in this space. And I think a lot of what we've seen has been as a result of the disconnect between lenders and settlement agents. There, it's true. And I know we're going to get into some of this next week with Simplify on how they go to meet that that solution or that meet that need through their electronic communication. And are you seeing a lot of people take advantage of that, or is that – or is it still people dealing with it in the archaic old manner that they used to? Well, while I was on the TRID road tour with Alta and MBA, there were lots of folks talking about new technology and systems, in, including systems like Simplify, for lenders to communicate with settlement agents. But then when we went live, we realized that more and more our lender clients were telling us we're not using those platforms either because uh, sometimes the cost, sometimes integration issues with the settlement agents they're working with, and they have resorted to secure emails. And I hear on the street sometimes even unsecure emails where they're sharing information and sharing data much like they did in the olden times, maybe even handwriting things or faxing things someone told me last week. I was I thought, fax, still go figure. So it's even though we've set up these means to help the process, if there's frustration in the system and there just isn't time or it's found to be an impediment or slowing down, the process, people are still communicating by email or other ways. And I think that's especially the case in situations with lenders when they're being forced to work with settlement agents who maybe have not closed a lot of these loans or in smaller communities or are practitioners who do lots of different kinds of things. I have a client up in New Hampshire who was talking about they had closing agents and they work along – certain parts of the community uh, that they just they have closing agents that hadn't heard of TRID. I mean, it's hard, like, oh, no, what kind of rock in this industry? That is just floors me. Uh, but right. I want to get Alice in on this t- discussion. And, Alice, you and I were together in Boston last week, and we were working with a company that is, you know, really went all out to understand this. And I think they're one of the companies that are the better companies in the marketplace 
trying to meet the needs of that. But even they struggled, especially when you put up that calendar that you did. And I want to talk a little, why don't you explain a little bit of what you did there, and then also your your perspective, and, and you and Loretta, ask it, Loretta, you know, get in with this discussion with Loretta and us, please. Well, the hi, Loretta. Welcome to the show. So the the, the calendar that Dave is talking about that is something that we just we do in our proactive processing courses when we go out and do efficiency reviews for clients. Or you know, we were doing the same thing you were, where they're saying, okay, I have to implement TRID. How do I do this? You have to start with the end in mind, right? So if I'm trying to close a loan on the 30th of the month, and let's just say we're lucky and that's a weekday, and I take an application or get a signed purchase agreement on the 1st of the month, and the contract says you have 30 days to close, then you do a backwards timeline, right? If you say, okay, well, I have to, the borrower has to sign off on the CD three days ahead of that. In order for that to happen, I have to have a completed CD, and my closer had to have the file for 24 hours and so on. And I do this backwards timeline where we walk through actionable items and how long things take, and you realize very quickly you run out of days now with this three-day waiting period for the way some companies have certain procedures in place. You know, they'll have something that all along they thought was fine. We're going to have to wait to this point before we do this uh, next point. And they realize there's light bulbs that go on for the roadblocks. So I guess I'd like to hear from you, you know, in what you've seen, what are some of the changes companies have had to make to adapt to this with, you know, trying to buy three days out of the process? That's exactly right. You know, we had a lot of clients that right out of the gate said, you know, we think that there's a competitive advantage in getting that closing disclosure out early. We're going to send it out right away, even before the loan is clear to close. And then we all started stumbling over this gap or black hole problem, and we certainly encourage our clients not to do that because once you issue the closing disclosure, it's you have a very limited time in which you can rebaseline. So I think pulling back, and absolutely you need to count back from that timeline. We've seen people reallocate their resources so that they have quicker underwriting. They put more people on files. They change functions for closers. They're adding more pre-closing quality control to make sure they can lock that loan down in the conditions and the fees earlier in the process through project management, we see a huge shift, which I'm sure you've all seen, from using paper and snail mail because of the added time with the mailbox rule and moving to electronic disclosures and proper e-consent, which also has been part of the area where there's pushback because people weren't always implementing their e-consent and electronic disclosures appropriately. We see now that our lender clients, because of the need to get that closing disclosure also to non-titled, non-borrowing folks on the title, there's additional group of people that are entitled to that early disclosure. So that means you need to reach out to the settlement agent and your title examiners quicker to ensure that you're understanding all the parties that are going to be on title. We also see that people are adding new document information or data sheets earlier in the process so that they're sure that they're going to have all of these elements that they need to to populate the CD appropriately, whether it's license numbers, um, contact information, so a correlated effort 
to get more information earlier in the process. And then we see people even trying to build in a little wiggle room because of some of these unanticipated delays. So do you find that any particular region, you know, one of the things I'm noticing is the difference between, you know, escrow closing states, non-escrow, when you when you have a wet sign, you get all, you get everybody sitting around the table and you've got title agents who seem a little more engaged than some of the attorneys, although there's some great attorneys in attorney closing states, but from your vantage point, have you seen any difference in the, the way the state is closing loans that's impacting this? Well, I think one thing that I've seen is, um, as an attorney, I guess I can say this, some of the, and we're sitting in an attorney closing state here um, in Georgia, I think some of the attorneys tend to be a little more pig-headed about what they're doing even when they're doing it wrong. We see some attorneys insist with lenders that they the lenders accept their HUD-1 settlement statements, which astounds me. Oh, um, yeah, they still are sending HUD-1. Right, and they're, they're arguing with the lender. Um, one of the things that we're going to recommend in another webcast we're doing is to um, send closing instructions earlier and maybe append those with some kind of cover letter that, it's a, a warning, you know, or highlights the differences to make sure closing agents are on board. Also working with our lender clients about third-party vendor management, which, of course, has been something we've been working with lenders and, and Alta in light of the CFPB guidance and existing depository guidance about third-party vendor management to make sure that maybe it makes sense for lenders to modify their approval requirements for title agents, whether they're settlement agents or closing attorneys, so to make sure that people who are closing loans are experienced in what they're doing. I think there's been a heightened sensitivity by settlement agents to consumer privacy as a result of that third-party vendor management exercise they've been through through Alta Best Practices. And it's almost a detriment now when we're in the TRID world because while certainly we want to be sensitive to not sharing non-public personal information of borrowers, that doesn't mean we still can't, in wet closing or wet funding states, close the loan with everyone at the table. Um, I've heard people say, oh, we don't think you can do closings with everyone in the room at the same time. But certainly you can. It's just a matter of what you're going to disclose and who's going to be looking at what. So that heightened sensitivity has been a result of a lot of discussions and slowed things down as well. Amazing. Uh, Joe, I want to kind of let you sit there in the background a little bit. Do you have any questions you want to jump in with, with Loretta? Well, I wanted to ask you, you know, uh, what, what line, is there a big difference in lines of business like uh, retail versus wholesale versus correspondent? Right. Are you seeing oh, that, sure. that one is having a huge uh, issue and others Great are not, question. or how do you how do you see that? Well, the, our wholesale lender our clients who are dealing with third party originating with brokers, that's been a huge shift because now they're tied to the timeline of when the broker gets that application. And there was a huge shift prior to implementation about who's going to complete those loan estimates. Is it going to be the broker? Is it going to be the lender? And I think that's been a challenge because if that's done incorrectly, when can a lender put it back? And there's still a lot of that not defined in the rule. And so there's a lot of confusion and concern there. And what happens when the broker doesn't 
deliver the LE timely or get that application to the lender in time to do it timely. There's no way to cure that. So what's an appropriate response, just like we always had in pre-trid? So I think in the wholesale environment, there are unique challenges. With correspondent lenders, there's less. Uh, we've been asked a lot about cure and remedies and assignee liability, and there's a lack of clarity about what the liability is for different types of violations, which is why we see a lot of investors pushing back on very, very minor problems, whether... Whoops. Hello? Did we lose you? Well, did we, I think we lost Loretta. Bummer. She's, oh. she's still showing up. Hopefully she'll bounce back here. That happens, Loretta, when, when occasionally. So if you're still there, you may need to dial back in if you do hit one so we can see you on the switchboard. But we're not hearing you right at the moment, Loretta. She's still showing up there. That I think that well, was really interesting. I'm trying to get her sound. Can I jump in there on the wholesale yeah, one? Yeah, please. I will vouch for <clears throat> so on the broker side, we are seeing that lenders, in some cases, didn't change the expectations for the broker. So where they were used right. to could give them a two-hour, three-hour notice and, or less, you know, to generate funds and, and arrange a closing, that's causing huge error rates in CDs because, you know, the, the broker, they want to still keep the business, but you've got to adjust their expectations would be one of the things I think is going to have to evolve in the industry in this next 30 days. That's what I suspect. Loretta, you back on? I'm back here. I hope. Can you hear me? You hear you now. I found you in the stacks as you reconnected. Thank you so much. That's, that's <laughs> the, joys, the joys of using the voice over IP. Everything is done electronically, and occasionally we just have that happen. So, so glad you just dialed right back in. Oh, Did no you hear problem. Alice's comments about that because she was just reinforcing what you said. I thought that was really a good right. point. Yeah, on the well, and with the, on the correspondence side, I think lenders are more comfortable investors in buying the loans from their uh, correspondence, but still a lot of questions about what kind of violations will result in what kind of liability and where things are apparent on their face or not. So we see a lot of trepidation by investors about what it is that they're going to accept and putting back loans for very, very minor defects where yeah. um, a monetary cure won't work. I think in the retail channel, things have gone much smoother because there's a lot more control in a retail channel and certainly easier to identify problems as you're moving through and address them with your team in real time. There's no question. And I was going to talk more about the correspondence side of it because we are definitely seeing some lenders that are seeming to be more cautious and not purchasing right. loans. And other lenders seem to be having worked through whatever issues that they've had and are purchasing loans at a greater pace. What would you know, is there something that the lenders that are that are purchasing faster doing differently that the lenders are not? And is there anyone any of our mortgage lenders out here selling loans to these lenders? Is there ways that they can discern that before they start taking out commitments from the various correspondent lenders? Well, I suppose part of it's just visiting to know what kind of due diligence they're going to do. You know, some of the lenders said, the investors said, we're going to rely on the reps and warranties. We're not going to get in the weeds on due diligence on each and every one of these loans to put things back, whereas others we've seen, they really are looking at very ev everything on the file and conducting more thorough due diligence. Now, that doesn't mean that they won't bounce back eventually for some of those lenders that are selling them faster. It's possible the investors will put them back. 
We see a lot it of is. the delays being just getting to closing, right? So there's an additional delay there. Yeah. While lots of folks are closing them in time, I think most people are saying it's taking an extra three days. So that on top of the three days earlier that we have to have everything ready is is adding to the pipeline. And we've seen a lot of cures, you know, a lot of monetary cures already percentage-wise um, just as a means to – get things right with consumers and get those loans to close uh, without having an adverse impact on the, the consumer's transaction. We have one client uh, that I work with regularly, Movement Mortgage, went all the way out to doing a lot of videos. They distribute a lot of videos out to all the other out to all the companies trying to educate people as much as advance. Uh, right. What tools are working more effectively that you're seeing to communicate and then also about what how to be handling this, as well as, you know, in the transaction of itself. Simplifile has its uh, electronic communication, so I think is very innovative. Looking forward to hearing more about it next week. Right, but- and they do a lot of hand-holding, you know, and visiting with them. Once they get the lender signed up, any settlement agent who works with the lender, Simplifile is going to help them through it. So if you do have someone who's green or doesn't close a lot of loans or it's their they're used to working with a variety of lenders. They'll hold their hands and get them comfortable with communicating some of these fees and making sure that the simultaneous issue is right and some of more challenging portions of the rule. Interesting. But I think it's just a matter of communication, lots of training. We've seen our wholesale lender clients engage in lots of training for their brokers and to continue to do that as they learn more and more. Same thing with people having lunch and learns with their teams as we get into the trenches and some of these issues are coming to light, working together with the vendors, whether they're loan origination systems or doc prep companies to make sure everyone's on the right page about how things are working and finding some consensus in some of these areas that are ambiguous or vague in the rules. There's so much this half this this half hour that we set aside for the you know 20 30 minutes we set aside for the hot topic discussion just goes with a just in a blink. I want to thank you so much Loretta for joining us today. It was very helpful. And for people that want to get a hold of you and talk to you about this and retain your firm, what's the best way for them to reach you? Well, they can call me the old-fashioned way, 770-248-2881, or they can just Google me, Loretta Salzano, and our law firm website will pop up, and they can reach me that way. We'd be happy to help folks in the trenches and ease their trid trauma. Yeah, ease their trid trauma while in the trenches. Yes, yes, yes. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm looking forward to the interview. My pleasure. Thank you. Oh, it's just really been a joy. And to get to know you, we want to have you back, Loretta. You're articulate. You're from you're from Michigan State. You know, you're from you graduated from law degree. Got your law degree from the Michigan uh, uh, University of Michigan Law School there, and of course is up in Alice's Neckwood. So. We right. have a lot of friends up saying you're now down in Atlanta, but it's I'd uh, love to have you back on talking about issues. So we, it's just been great That'd to be meet great. you and look forward to having you back. Appreciate it so much. Folks, we're going to have next week Nancy Alley, who will be here with Simplifile, talking about these very issues. When you look at the complexity of this and you look at what you can do to communicate, there are some great tools that Simplifile has. They have become a new sponsor, but I'm really excited about the things that they're doing and the way that they're communicating. So we're going to be learning more about it. We're here, again, as a public service to help lenders across the uh, industry deal with whatever issues are going on out there, and the Hot Topic segment is exactly that. So be sure to tune in. 
for our special guest next week, Nancy Alley, who will be with us from uh, from a simplifile. So we're going to be continuing the discussion. Alice, Joe, thank you so much for doing being a part of this and a contribution. Specifically, a great question, Joe, on the on the various lenders or the market the trade lines. I mean, the various uh, methods of originating, and then also some of your thoughts on this, Alice. Thank you so much for both of you. I'm looking at the market, Joe. We're still we're looking right at 12 uh, 30 seconds. Is that right. correct? We're so hanging the near the we near the best levels of the day. Yeah, we may end up the day end up the day here. So, all the best to both of you, and thank you everybody for listening and tuning in, and share this with others. Appreciate you being a part of the broadcast. Have a great day, everybody, and we'll look forward to seeing you back here, looking on lending next week. There we go. That familiar song. Think about it, everyone. Thank you, everybody. This has been Lincoln on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lincoln of Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. Today's guests were Joe Farr from MBS Line, Andy Shell of Mortgage Banking Solutions, and Alice Alvey, President CMB of Mortgage U. Come by next week and thank you for listening.